Welcome to the WordPress Photography Podcast, the podcast for photographers who want to learn how to get the most out of WordPress to grow their photography business. You don't need to be a geek to understand WordPress. Settle back and listen as we show you how. Now, here's your host, Scott Wyden-Kivowitz. Welcome to episode 132. My name is Scott Wyden-Kivowitz, and I'm joined by my guest, Joseph Christina. Joseph has spent over 20 years as an innovator, author, director of photography, and professional photographer. He has created some incredible products over the years, like the Focus Pyramid Autofocus Lens Calibration Tool, the PRT Photo Reference Tool Color Calibration Tool, Aurora Camera Care Camera Sensor and Lens Cleaning Kits, and other photo video related tools. Most recently, he published How to Create a Digital Fort Knox, Backing Up Your Digital Life, which we, we will be digging into in this episode. So with that said, welcome to the show, Joseph. Thank you very much for having me. It's awesome being here. Yeah. Um, so uh, you have I, you and I have known each other for a long time. <laughs> a long time. I know we were working the circuit, like right? We went from, I think it was WPPI, Photo Plus Expo, the different shows, as well as online. And it has to yeah. be what? Maybe yeah. it's definitely over 10 years. Definitely over 10 years. Yeah. Right? I mean, we, we were, we, we first started chatting when I was working at Macworld by Warranty, which was about uh 17 or 18 years ago <laughs> so, it's, it's absolutely insane all right I, you know i'm actually sh i'm actually shocked that it took me this long to get you on the show but <laughs> you know um the it's funny though because like it just worked out perfect because we literally got this question from someone in the imagely community um about like not a question so much as like can you please talk about this right um and we asked about their 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 fears that they have and the, the fear was loss of data. I fear bad, unpredictable weather, right? right. And I, it's like you came out with this book and the timing <laughs> just, you know, it just worked out so well. So, um, yeah, obviously what we're I, talking I love about the unpredictable weather. <laughs> unpredictable weather down here in <laughs> South Florida is basically, that's all that we get, right? We have the hurricanes and all the rest of this stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, in Florida... You've got like, it's like every day, every day, every hour for you is, is unpredictable. Weather. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Should I go on a bike ride? Yeah, probably not. And you just look outside and that's, that's your weather. Because if you consult the weather report, it's never right anyways. So you just look outside and that's what yeah. basically what you get. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as creatives like you and I are, and most of the people that are listening out there are some type of creative. It doesn't matter if you're doing photo or video or whatever the content is. We need to be able to back up our data. And that was one of the things that I had the hardest time doing. And for many years, I wasn't doing it the way I supposed to do it, so to speak, using that uh, three, two, one backup strategy that everyone knows about where you have live data, archival data, you have your cold storage data. And then of course you have a double of, let's say you have something on an SD as well as a hard drive or whatever. So you have on multiple formats and in different locations. And I wasn't doing that and it got to be a little bit scary, just like, you know, um, one of your listeners was talking about it's 
One of those things mm-hmm. that you don't know if it's going to be there later, number one, but number two, when you're doing this professionally, it's not just your data that you're losing. You could possibly lose your client's data. And at that point, all of a sudden we're into lawsuit problems and a lot of other issues. So that was the biggest thing. Yeah. But as creatives, you know, when we started this, you know, what are you, 10, what we were saying 17 years ago, a 10 megapixel camera was like a big thing. You know, now they went from 10 megapixels. Now we're seeing, <laughs> you know, Fuji's up to 100 megapixels, some medium right. format. I mean, video was, you know, 480, then 720, then 1080p. That was like the big thing. And then finally, 4K, we're going to be going to 8K soon. So these files are getting mm-hmm. larger and larger and larger. And it's like, what the hell do you do with them? So, you know, yeah, yeah. for me, Scott, it was a, a lot so, of what I did was put them on these external drives that look like this. <laughs> you remember, I, I, I'm right. sure these and these big, oh, yeah. massive things. Right. And yep. I literally have stacks and stacks of them. And the problem was is search and rescue. Like, where is everything? Even if you wrote on those drives, let's say the year or sometimes I would do the client and all, it's like still, where is it? And then if you wanted to take the data yeah. off, it's through USB or whatever, and it's slow. So I was looking for an alternative. And that was that was where it all started, yeah. I guess. Did you have any did you have any data loss that um well first let here's the cover of your book. <laughs> this is this is your book. Yes. Um that uh is is very detailed, actually goes through step by step on how to actually create a a um a really yeah, like an unraid um, server, powerful, basically. Yeah. So, so did you have actual loss that drove you to create this book and to rebuild, you know, make your own backup system? Yeah. Or was it just the fact that you didn't have a good backup system and you wanted to do it? Well, I got lucky. Um, I did have a loss, but luckily I had a backup still. And uh, in all of these drives, like I was showing you, we even had some bare bones stacked up, like probably, you know, 30, 40 of them, of the drives. But what ended up happening was I ended up going to a RAID array type of setup where I bought this off the shelf NAS, which is the network um, um, drive, basically where you store all of your data in. I bought it off the shelf. And the problem is with network attached storage, it still was slow getting it to it, but I did do it. And I loaded all of the, it took literally weeks, Scott, to load all of my files, video and photos to that NAS drive. And in under, I think just over six months, let's call it under a year, that drive had a failure. And what a lot of people don't know is if you have one of these drives and it's RAID array, and there's, let's say, five drives in it, you can go more, but let's say it's five drives in it. If you lose one drive, it's okay. If you lose two drives, it's not so okay. So what ended up happening was one drive went bad. It sends out an email to me saying one of your drives is bad. It has a little red sticker. I'm not going to say which backup company this was with, but I'm sure you guys can look up. There's only a few out there, but it said that the drive is bad. So I ordered on Amazon a new drive to replace it. And with a RAID array, basically you replace the drive and in the background, it slowly rebuilds all of that data that's on that drive that was lost. The problem was before the Amazon package came to me with the secondary drive, you know, with that the replacement drive, a secondary drive went bad. And when that happens with a RAID array, with a RAID 5, you lose everything. 
So the entire thing was corrupt at that point because I lost the second drive. And a lot of people are like, how do you lose two drives? That's like lightning striking twice. Well, lightning sometimes does strike twice, but what ends up happening a lot of times is with these over-the-counter or off-the-shelf NAS um, backup units is they buy in drives to put in them all from the same company. Let's say it's Samsung and they're all serialized. So it's like, let's say drive one, two, three, four, five. And when they're building them, you know, your drive has drive five through 10 and they're all in there. Same company, same serial, same lot, different serial, but all sequential, same lot. So if that lot was a bad lot, the chances of you having a multiple failure occur is highly more profitable than if you got like yep. drives from all over the place from different companies and whatnot. So that's exactly what happened. Drive yep. died and the entire NAS, that network attached storage device, that appliance was bad. And I ended up to go and get all yep. of these drives once again. Now, thank God I didn't delete them all. I still had them. And I only lost a couple of months worth of data. Um, which was still a lot at the time because I wasn't backing up stuff the way I should. That was bad on me, but I only lost a little bit, but I still had, you know, decades of data, which was really good. And that's when I kind of got into, what do I do? Do I go to cloud storage? And I know you, I'm sure, and a lot of other people look at, you know, Backblaze and a lot, a lot of different cloud storage options out there. Should I do that? But for me, I didn't have such a robust uploading speed, let's say, if I, I didn't have gigabit. And to be able to put our crucial data, especially when it comes to videos, into the cloud is mm-hmm. basically impossible, number one. But number two, the problem that I was seeing was that there was manufacturers out there of cloud that, that had cloud storage that were losing people's data. And I know Canon, there's a lot of other companies that, even like camera manufacturers like them that lost tons of data, like for a full week, everything that was uploaded, gone, just literally vaporized. And all of that, it could be weddings, it could be important, whatever, it's literally all gone with no way of getting back. And I said, you know, I need to be in control over my data and my client's data. As a DP, you know, we're doing editing, I have a team, there's stuff that goes on. I cannot lose that stuff, number one. Number two, I still need to have a copy local. So if something goes wrong and I need a file, I don't need to rely on the internet to get that file back. Because if let's say the internet goes down, you're dead in the water too. You can't even get your data back. And that's when I got into the possibility of going with something else. And that's when I found Unraid in comparison to Raid and building my own. Yeah. So, so, so you, yeah, you, you've, um, you've touched on a lot of points. I want to break down some of these uh, before we keep going. So first, um, NAS. So network attack attached storage. These are um, devices that offer a Raid system, but they connect to the internet and really you're transferring your files, your data through the internet. You can plug in a USB, but you know, for the most part, most of it's going and being received and, and sent through, uh, through the internet. And, and for everybody who's listening, you probably heard of companies like Synology, like, like QNAP, even Drobo, right. who was very, very big in the photo industry for a long time, has a NAS version and then they have their Thunderbolt versions. Um, then there's also people who have, you know, make their own homemade version, sort of like what what Joseph has done for un, for his Unraid server, which you'll hear about um, further. But um, so a raid, 
let's dig into now mm -hmm. raid because raid and nas they're actually two separate things right but a nas is also a raid so it's kind of like a it gets a little confusing i think for yeah people. and as you were saying so with the raid, nas though the nas can go through the internet but it can go through your local intranet yeah. also so that's that's yes. the that's yeah. the thing with the yeah. nas you can either connect it to the internet or you can yeah. leave it offline and just do it inner inner office let's say with your nas correct. yeah correct yeah yep um, which would require hardwiring with an Ethernet cable, not just using Wi-Fi in general. The Wi-Fi is Wi-Fi versions are not very good. No, <laughs> I could tell you from from firsthand <laughs> experience. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so a RAID is basically a hard drive or a series of hard drives that are either copied. So you've got multiple discs that are copied clones, or they're what's called striped, where it's um, sending data to multiple in pieces, or there's even raids that do a combination right. of clones and stripes to even further expand on the capabilities and 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 safeguards that are right. in place. Um, and there are a ton, like I mentioned, there are a ton of different companies who make it. I mean, Western Digital, um, uh, in, uh, G, G Technologies, who is now actually part of SanDisk and Western Digital. Um, there's so many companies, Lacey, Yes. So many companies that make these. And um, so before we dive into what Unraid is, though, I want to just mention that what I want to share what what um, or I should say before we dive into the difference between Raid and Unraid, I want to mention what my backup workflow is. I eventually plan to switch to an Unraid backup as I have time and as I can, you know, buy the components and stuff like that. Right. But in the meantime, my backup system is currently. um. I've got my entire collection on a G Technologies RAID Thunderbolt um, hard drive. Right. It's basically a multiple hard drives in one device. And it's Thunderbolt directly into my computer. Um, that is where majority of my photography, or all my photography rather, is is sit. And some of my videos, I don't, my YouTube, my personal YouTube stuff, I don't keep every single thing um, unlike a lot of other YouTubers right. do. So um, uh, I don't have tons of B-roll. I keep specific B-roll, but I don't have tons. Um, and so I've got this master RAID drive, basically, that is where everything sits. And then I use, uh, I'm a Mac user, so I use Carbon Copy Cloner, which is a Mac app that allows me to clone a drive um, by either removing files or adding files, depending on what happened to the master, the master drive. Um, so I've got the same exact hardware, literally the same size, same style, but I bought it like three months apart. So they're not the same. They're not, you know, the same, uh, made at the same time and Perfect. things like that. Um, yeah. And I have that literally right next to it. And every single day, Carbon Copy Cloner says, oh, this changed. Let me update, you know, the clone. So now the clone matches the original. And then I have another one that, again, bought three months later that's actually at my in-law's house in town, but not close enough that if there was a fire here, God forbid, not right. going um, you know, that I would lose anything. But once a month, I pick that up from them, bring it home, and Carbon Copy Cloner says, oh, a lot has <laughs> <Yeah>. changed. <laughs> and then it does, it does the update, and then I have to lug it back to their house and, and you know, store it safely at their house again. So that's like the physical backups I have 
Um, and then I have Backblaze, like you mentioned. I use Backblaze to back up all of my um, my my files uh, from that master RAID drive. And then um, at the same time, I also use Amazon Photos as a Prime member. Everything is saved as a JPEG as well, sent to Amazon Photos, just as like a last resort. Hey, look, I still have this, mm -hmm. you know. But Black back, Backblaze is really good enough for so. What Backblaze allows you to do is if you do lose everything, even though it's in their cloud, um, you can download your files or you can actually request for hard drives to be sent to you. And they'll actually ship you a drive where you can then offload all of your, you know, your, your, your stuff without having to download it through the Internet. So it's a really nice thing that they right. offer. Really nice service. Um, but that's the majority. I mean, there's also something I used to do. I don't do it anymore, which was using Amazon Glacier. Mm -hmm. But I figured it was kind of redundant to having backblazes redundancy right in place. right right yeah <laughs> so um yeah not, i mean you're pretty you're anymore. you're covered like so, you were saying there's so many lacy there's synology qnap there's drobo yeah. and like you were talking about drobo there was a lot um of a lot of photographers using drobo and the problem that i've always had with the over the counter stuff so like a drobo or anything like that is they're very proprietary so if there's an issue you need to get a hold of them and they need to send you a fix, you know, whatever that fix is, you're not in there getting that data out yourself. Um, and I always have a problem with that because God forbid, like one of these companies go out of business or let's say you're in your appliance, like your rate array appliance and the card, the actual card in there, your NIC goes bad. Well, it's a simple swap, but if the company is out of business now, what do you do? And now how do you get your data out? Well, hopefully you can still get it out through USB yeah. or through Thunderbolt or through whatever. It's always an issue for me when you go with these over-the-counter type of, you know, off-the-shelf because there, there can be problems. And what I was reporting on, you know, on my show um, is that there was, we're not going to say which company, but there was a very large company, one of them that I just named, that actually got hacked. And a lot of the people that were using mm -hmm. their drives and using them exposed to the internet, like we were talking about just momentarily, just, just moments ago, um, they now had all of their data locked through like a ransomware type of attack and they could not access their data anymore. That was it. Even though it was in their studio, it came in through, let's call it the cloud or whatever, it came through the internet, locked it all up and that was it. So there's, there's always issues whenever you go with that third party or with that over the counter or over, you know, off the shelf in comparison to doing your own. When you do your own, you're getting two things out of it. Number one, you get to do whatever you want with it, put whatever into it that you want, spend as much as you right. want, whatever you want to do, expand it however you want, but also you have that knowledge to fix something. And that is so, to me, so important because especially today, you don't know, you know, companies, they come and they go. And then what happens a lot of times is then not just do they get, let's say hacked, but now all of a sudden you have a service that just goes, you know, the wayside somewhere. And now, oh, we're not offering that specific cloud storage anymore, but you can move to this or we're not offering it at all anymore. And you have three weeks to take your, you know, 80 terabytes of right. data off it and you're like how in the hell am i going to do that so yeah well i mean look look, look at google right. photos right google photos was telling people upload your full resolution including yeah. raw files to google photos and then like that they did the typical google thing and said sorry we're now charging for everything you upload starting june 1st 2021 and then everybody's <laughs> like mm, 
So that yeah. sucks. Yeah, download <laughs> like, everything if you want. They're not. They weren't removing the. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't removing everything from the past, but anything new would go against your Google storage right. limit. So yeah, it makes it it makes it difficult. Um, but that, that's a good example of right. Of and and like you were saying, yeah. how yeah. like these appliances um, when we're talking about RAID and you were explaining it and you did a fantastic job. Basically, you have either cloning going on inside of them where it's like all mirror backups, or you have something where you're actually having mo let's say one drive sliced. Let's call them into little slices so that two drives. Just imagine two drives writing all of the data instead of to one drive and then filling it and then moving it to the next. Imagine if it writes your data continuously back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between two drives. What happens yeah. when you do that is you have a greater speed of input and output. Your read-write speeds go up by doing it. But yeah. what also happens is the side effect is if one goes bad, you have a problem because you have to rebuild that one. But if that second drive goes bad, you lose everything. And that was the problem with RAID Array, where, you know, yeah. with the RAID 5, for example. Whereas with Unraid, it's not like that. Let me give you a couple of pros and cons here. So, yeah, well, so, so you, you, you talk about, um, so page yeah. seven of your book, you start getting into what, what Unraid is. So, before you dig into some of the technical stuff of Unraid, what exactly is Unraid compared to? Rate. Yeah, so it, they're very, very similar. But the, the main difference between the RAID and the UnRAID is that when you're dealing with a, a RAID setup, they're doing, like you were saying, you're either mirroring things up or you're going to set it up so that you are going between drives, okay, to speed things up. UnRAID does not do that at all. You set up a, let's say, a float point, how far a drive fills, before it now switches to the next drive and fills, switches to the next drive and fills. And then once it gets to the very end of all the drives in there, it starts back in the beginning and starts filling like this. So you can set that up however you want to, but what ends up happening is you don't have that slicing that that between, so you're not getting any of the speed. So one of the cons, let's just say with Unraid is it's a little bit slower, but it is archival. It's not really for live working mm -hmm. with your data. So it's archival. So the speed is a con, but it's not always a con either because it's archival. So, but that's the main difference between the two is how it's actually storing your data in comparison to anything else. The actual system itself is done in such a way that a perfect example is if you had a five drive RAID array like you have, let's say. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be Drobo. It could be one of the Synologies, mm -hmm. QNAP, whatever. You have five. Yeah. Two drives go bad and you lose everything. The way Unraid works is since they're all separated, if two drive were to go bad, okay, you will still be able to access all of your data, every single bit of the three drives that are still left. So that was something for me that was a really big thing. Now, if you did lose one drive in an Unraid server, right, you pull the one drive out, you stick a new one in, and it will rebuild it, okay? Now, obviously, if you lose two, it's not going to be rebuilding unless, unless you have multiple drives. That's all they do within there. Now, these drives, I'll get into them in just a second, but you have a single drive that is called a parity drive. Now, it's a kind of a crazy name, but let's think about it, parity, what parity is. And what that does is it keeps all of the information on that one drive that it needs to rebuild all the rest. 
So if you want to be able to lose two drives in your Unraid, you put two parity drives in it. Now you don't have a problem, you know? So you can do things like that also with Unraid, yeah. but the big thing is, is you don't have to worry about losing everything. The one other thing that you need to bear in mind yeah. is when you build an Unraid server, the parity drives need to be equal or larger than every other drive. Now, some of the, like, if you were to build a, or if you got a NAS from someone, you'll see that, let's say there it's eight gig um, drive and they're, they're saying, I mean, an eight terabyte drive and they're saying, well, you're going to get 32 terabytes out of it because of this, that, whatever, or whatever the number is. You have eight terabyte, air terabyte, eight, 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 eight. And that's how it is. And when you build them always with RAID, that's how it always has been. You have to have the exact same drive replicated. With Unraid, you don't. Right. So what that means is, is I can pull drives out of here. I can pull drives out of there. I can take a bare bones from here. I could take a four terabyte, an eight terabyte, a 12 terabyte and throw them all into the system. And it's just going to understand that they're just more data storage, more storage. And the only thing, once again, is that parity yeah. drive needs to be the largest of all of them or equal on par. So if you wanted to build something that has, let's say um, for me, if let's say you have five drives and if you have eight, let's say eight terabyte drives, well, you could have a two, a four, a six, an eight. But if you want to go to a 10 terabyte to right. stick it in there, you need to have a 10 terabyte parity drive. And that's really about it. There's not a lot to yeah. it, let's just say. It's very basic, but it does an amazing job at what it does, basically. Yeah. I would say, so like to simplify, um, making the, the numbers even easier for everybody to understand. So let's say your Unraid server has um, five working drives, right? Where all your data is being split up. And four of those drives are one terabyte drives, right? The fifth drive is a two terabyte drive. So you've got um, that like bucket filled between drives is basically one terabyte, one terabyte, one terabyte, one terabyte, right. two terabytes. You've got six terabytes overall of your workable data that's being split up. Your parity drive has to be six terabytes or they don't make sevens, eight terabytes. Has to be the same or more than what those workable drives are no. combined. And the beauty behind that is no, the, okay. the, the parity drive only needs okay. to be as big or bigger than your largest drive, not all of them. So if let so if I have ah, so if I have ten terabyte drives okay. and I have ten and ten and ten and ten and ten, right? And I have a ten terabyte parity. If I said, well, now there's sixteen terabyte drives out there, I need to I want to bring in and start swapping out for our my ten terabytes to sixteen because I want more storage. As soon as I pull one of those out to put a sixteen in, I need to put also a sixteen in the parity. Because the parity is the one that that keeps track of everything that's going on. So it doesn't matter. It's not the total amount. It's just the the largest drive that you stick into it. So what that means, if you stuck in a 16 terabyte um, parity drive, you can stick in a one terabyte. You can stick in an eight terabyte. You can stick in a 12 terabyte. And you could even stick in a 16 terabyte. But you cannot stick in an 18 terabyte. To do that, you'd have to replace your parity drive. That's basically it. Very, very, you know, simple. Okay. So how does it, um, and, and yeah, how does it know if you've got, if you've got, um, 
if you've got 16 terabytes of workable storage and your largest hard your largest hard drive is 8 terabytes let's say so you put in an an 8 terabyte drive but you've got 16 mm -hmm. terabytes of data and how does it know what to what is how, like, yeah how is it basically if, if how drive, is it backing it if up two, if the two how, how is it two going terabyte? to rebuild that because, yeah and and yeah. you know i'm not so i'm not a technologist yeah. that gets into all of the ones and zeros but basically that's what it is it is literally right. looking at all of the ones and zeros of the different drives and calculating that out so for example if a drive has 16 ones and then it has 22 zeros it's going to remember and write down 16 ones 22 zeros and that's it it's not going to write all that data down so it's it's kind of like that i don't know the whole process on how they do it but that is kind of how it is thought of and that's why you just need the largest drive that you can or how you want to move forward with parity and then you can then you yeah. can basically pull out any drive it doesn't matter what it is and that parity drive will rebuild it and if you want to have the ability to pull out two drives in case of double failure like what i had then you would have two parity drives and you would stick two in there instead of only one and that was one of the things that was yeah. really good for me because i'm like you know i don't want to go and buy all of the i have so many literally stacks of drives right stacks of bare bone drives yeah. why yeah, why Same do i want to go buy like <laughs> yeah. a whole like five you know 10 new drives and all of this money out why don't i just stick in everything that i have yeah. And that's basically what we did. I, I literally built this Unraid server in a weekend with 10-year-old parts out of my garage. And it's still running, a year, literally a year and a half yeah. later. So, and it's, so I think it's a core duo or something. Yeah. I don't know. The processor is like as slow as just, <laughs> I mean, in yeah. molasses. It doesn't matter because yeah. you don't need a lot of power. You can yeah. literally repurpose an old, old computer and just uh, just give it a lot of hard drive. Um, you know, a room, let's say a full size uh, a box, and yeah. you're good to go. So, so that was actually the last thing I wanted to talk about today. Was um, was okay. So, yeah. page thirty four of your book, you've got a parts checklist, and you actually go over literally the machines and parts <laughs> right. that you used. Right. And I say, please don't, please don't from, use right? this you because share. you're not going to find any of this crap <laughs> yes, <laughs> because yeah. it's literally 10 year old <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I did that yeah. as a way to say, look, this is what I yeah. used. Use something definitely better, but you don't need to. You really don't need to. Yeah. So, so this is where, um, you, if you go and you go and buy a, a, a Synology RAID and which by the way, doesn't come with hard yeah. drives. You now have to buy the hard drive separate. You go and buy a G technology that has enough storage and enough, you know, of the of the clone drives to make it a large RAID drive, um, plus your backup. You know, <laughs> yeah. that it adds up. In theory, you could build an unraid server, maybe a little cheaper, maybe the same price, maybe in some cases, depending on the parts, a little more expensive. But you could do it yourself. And I'm wondering, um, I know that you actually recommend what people should you know potentially try or whatever or, you know like look at but if you were to just google pre-built unraid server you're not finding affordable quote-unquote pre-built you're you're finding like rack mounted full-on like server servers you're not finding a computer right. case that has been converted um i'm wondering if you could share 
not necessarily, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, your yeah, garage yeah. parts. Yeah, <laughs> but but if you can share, like a, a, you know, where should people start looking for, and what should they start looking for if they want to consider? I mean, uh, of course, right. by by the damn book. Yeah, no, answers, no. But, so, <laughs> yeah. But if you can give like so a, an overall, what I did is I got an old full size tower and an ancient CPU motherboard combination. Um, with a graphics card that was 10 years old. I didn't know if it was working or not. But the thing is, is once you build it, um, you no longer need a graphics card because all of your um, work done on it will be through your internal network, directly accessing it from your browser. So it has a built-in GUI. Um, so you don't have to worry. Which is, which is just like thing. Synology which is just like Synology Absolutely. or QNAP the exact or same thing. Right. The one thing that I would recommend is to buy a, a $30, $40 hot swappable little case that you can slide into your full-size tower. It makes it so much easier to be able to hot swap and pull out drives. So let's say drive four is bad and it's blinking red. I can go click a button, pull the drive out, take another drive, let's say this bare bones, and let's say it was... Um, an eight terabyte that was in there now. And I have a six terabyte. That's fine. I take this six terabyte, I stick it in there, I close it. And what it will do is it will rebuild the six terabyte and move the other two terabytes to another drive set. So it does it automatically for you, hot swappable. So that's what I would recommend. Um, even though you can build. And and, and you, you're recommending this you're recommending this because otherwise, if you use a standard PC tower where you have to actually right. take off the casing to the tower, unscrew right. the, it's like a big process. Instead push, of first pull, just the drive is out, pull. stick a new drive <laughs> in, and you literally call it a day. And within yeah. a day, probably a, a day of um, processing behind the scenes, it will rebuild that drive just like new. Mm -hmm. um, it just makes everything a lot more simple. That would be my biggest suggestion. The entire operating system isn't even run on a hard drive at all. It's literally run on like a little drive like this, like a little little stick. Yeah, a little flash. You stick it into like the back. Drive. You install yeah. the OS. The OS is based on a derivative of Linux. I am a, a Unix guy, so I, I appreciated that because it's very secure. Um, and it's small. I mean, you get literally like a four, like not even like a, just a tiny, yeah. tiny one. And it runs the entire OS. You stick it into the back and that is it. You don't even need a hard drive in it for the OS. So it's 100%. The enclosure is for either parity um, or for your data, um, however you want. There's also another drive that you can use in there for speeding stuff up, but I won't get into, into that. I use an SSD for that. Oh, it, yeah, it's in the book. Yeah, it's basically it's book. for offloading. So yeah. when I'm sending stuff to it, yeah. it's capturing it onto this middle ground spot. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as that fills up, then it dumps it um, into the array, let's call it. So um, very, very simple. But that's what I would suggest. Right. But the parts themselves, I mean, literally use an old computer. And I'm not joking about that. This has been running now for one year. I think the last time I looked, it was like a year and four months, year and five months with zero errors. And it does a parity check on all the drives every 30 days. And as of today, you know, keep knocking on wood here, zero errors across all the drives with no problems at all. So very, very simple. Yeah. I think you have a picture. Um, Do we have a picture oh, of, 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 of the server? Yeah, let me see oh. here. I, 
Yeah, I, know the I do parts have a, there, I do but, have a full but, parts uh, list, and um, and the thing is, is like I like I say, I give people the parts list, but I don't want to tell them, you know, don't, don't buy my parts because my oh yeah, here's a here's like what one of them looks like. I don't yeah. know if you can see it there. You see that like just a it's like a little. So this one is a, yeah. I think it was yeah. like a cool master oh, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I think it was a cooler master. I think it's called, but it doesn't really matter what you use. I would just use a large. Um, you know, a, a large full size tower and then stick in those backup units. I mean, the, uh, the, um, the hot swappable units. I want to see if I can, yeah. Matter of fact, there's the hot swappable unit. Yeah. It's right here on, let me see which page. This is 33. You see that right yep. there? That's the hot swappable unit. That thing right there has um, four drives. Yeah. You can get two of them and stick them in there, but that has four drives. You slide it in and you remove your other drives that are in there. And now you have four hot swappables and they plug straight in. So really, really super just simple. And what so what I did with the book, um, and this is what was really, you know, important for me is I was able to find a ton of information about Unray. Uh, about Unraid, but it was like a, across an array of places, all kinds of, you know, ideas and how to do it and everything. And then when it went to actually con configuring the software, I'm like, you know, this is, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. So what I did with this book is I went step by step screen, literally like screen, screen by screen, yeah. Yeah. Screenshot how to everything. do it. So by the time they're done, they yeah. literally have a server, a full backup, um, and that's it. They they literally hit enter, their server comes up, and they can start just dumping files onto it, period. Yeah, it's literally, set, yeah, right. screen by yeah. screen with arrow, yeah. with like little arrows, and I'm yeah. hand-holding the whole way because that's what right. I want. You know, whenever I do any yeah. type of videos to try to educate right. Um, on my channel, I always say, well, what, what would I need to know? And that's what I try to provide as easy and as concise as possible. This book was going to be well in excess of about 140, 150 pages. And I ended up bringing it down to just under a hundred pages because I just got rid of as much fluff as possible. Tell you what I need to tell you and just get it done. So you literally like me in one weekend have yeah. this thing put together and you're dumping data to it, you know, while you're sleeping, because it's going to take a while as we know, you know, yeah. <laughs> moving the data across. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, the last thing I, I would mention to everybody who's, who's, you know, interested in building an Unraid server is Joseph's book has definitely made it easier for anybody, anybody to build their own Unraid server because he's not only telling you what to get, um, but he's showing you how to set it all up and he's doing it in a very easy way. But with, with that, there's a caveat. If you are not comfortable with computer parts, ask somebody Absolutely. for help. <laughs> Just ask, you know, if you've got a friend or family <laughs> member who's good with computer stuff and you don't feel comfortable, they're going to help you, you know, tell them the, your reasoning. If somebody says no, they're not your friend. <laughs> Right? I mean, come on. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true. No, but you could, you know, if you don't want to ask for help, and let's say you yeah. wanted to buy something, let's just say you can buy a the cheapest computer mm -hmm. that you can find out there. I don't care if it's AMD, and I don't care what it is. Just as long as it has a big tower, buy a stick, and now do the setup literally through the book right. yourself. 
And this way you don't have to deal with any hardware at all. Um, and now the hardware yeah. is going to cost probably as much as an appliance, you know, from one of the big companies out there. And now the thing is, is now you have the room to grow when you, and what people don't understand is when you buy an appliance that has five or it has eight or it has 12, whatever it has, that is your limit. Once you get that full, you need to move to another appliance. Mm -hmm. When you deal with something like this, like you've seen, I'm sure online, there's people that have done unraids and server setups that have like 60 drives in them. Yeah, so huge. you can always just take, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. And you could just pull yeah. out that OS, stick it into the new setup. And it's like, oh, I, I remember that drive. And it just starts working again. Yeah. And it's just that simple to be able to move on. The other thing yeah. is, is like I was saying, when the hard drives get bigger and when we were, let's say at eight terabyte, and now we're at 12 and 16 and 18, and it's going bigger and bigger and bigger. When we want to go and upgrade and I want more storage, I'm going to go throw, let's say an 18 terabyte priority, uh, like a parity drive in there. Now I know that I can slowly buy up to 18 terabyte drives, pull out an eight, Stick it in an 18, it rebuilds it. Pull out another eight, stick it in an 18, it rebuilds it. And then we go from like, let's say 32 or 40 or 50 terabytes to 100 terabytes, literally in a week's time of it just right. building itself back up. So it makes it very easy to upgrade also. Whereas a lot of times when you buy these appliances, it's just, it's like an end game. You know, this is what you get. And when you fill it, you're done. And right. um, it's just like these big monstrosities of old. It's the same type of thing. <laughs> when you fill it, now what do you do? And that's, you yeah. know, and that's what I didn't want. I wanted something to be able to move on with and grow with, and then also have that security of having it local, not in the cloud, and then also the security of something that I built in comparison to buying something off the shelf. And then I don't know what ends up you know, what are they doing? Are they going to be around? Are they going to, you know, sell it to a different company? Are, you know, the, is the architecture going to change? And that's right. a big thing. If you have a RAID server that has a proprietary board in it, if you can't buy that board to read your data, you have no data because it doesn't understand it. Whereas with Unraid, yeah. I can literally take all the hard drives out of it right now, out of the RAID, stick it in your computer, and you'd be able to see everything that I have <laughs> immediately. Yeah. That's the difference. It's pretty, so it's, it's pretty know, cool. It's powerful. Yeah. It, you it, it's, um, you, you've definitely inspired me to make the change. It's just a matter of time and money. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I feel comfortable that, like, I've got a good backup system in place that I can take my time and do an Unraid server the right, right. way, which is... A nice thing. So, um, absolutely. With that, absolutely. Um, I, I want to say thank you, Joseph, for joining uh, me today. Uh, if you can tell the listeners, the viewers, the absolute best place to find more information about you, uh, that'd be great. Sure. What I what I did do, if you made it to the end of this video, which um, I hope everyone did, or um, audio, if you go to jchristina.com forward slash books, you're going to find some of my eBooks there that are free. You're also going to find the prologue to this book, and it will give you the basic understanding of what we covered, but literally written in a PDF. You can download that for free. 
If you want to take the journey with me, then so be it. You can pick up the book from there. You can pick it up on Amazon or wherever. So jcristina.com forward slash books or just jcristina.com. You can see all the other products that I got over there. And of course, the YouTube channel over at youtube.com forward slash jcristina. We have about 600 videos in this industry. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's photo, um, video, as well as tech, you know, reviews, how-tos, commentary, all that kind of stuff. So you can find me over there too. So those are probably the two best ways. Um, so over the years, I've had the, um, obviously the pleasure to get to know you uh, and to also... Likewise. The, uh, cool, <laughs> yeah, the, the cool opportunities to um, try these innovations that you've come out with, like the the uh, sensor cleaner I've had the opportunity right. not only tr use and uh, and 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 review so on my own personal YouTube channel I've reviewed that um, of course your new book and uh, your your lens calibration tool so um, you know I'm I love seeing what you come up with um, uh, I haven't tried I appreciate your teas, that but I am drinking tea right now <laughs> <laughs> yep yep we do have dark moon teas that's you know, one of, you know, it's funny that, that you say that some of the people are always, they're always like, Joe, you know, you're, you're, what is with this tea all the time? I'm like, you know, I've been doing tea. I've been brewing tea. It's not brew infusing, let's call it tea for so long, but more mm -hmm. on a medicinal level, you know, for health in comparison to just mm -hmm. having like an old gray or something. And people were like, you know, can I get some of those? And that's when I came up with dark moon teas and put those out there for everyone. So over on the, on the jcristina.com, you can find those too. But I do it for fun. Um, but it is something that I still do. <laughs> kind of like, a, the, what do they say? The side hustle? Um, I do yeah. make my teas. I've been doing those for a couple of years. It's fun. It definitely is fun. People yeah. love them. So, but yeah, I, I, I really want to, I, I got yeah, that's exactly. I love, I love the old gray. Absolutely. But I do appreciate you. Um, I mean, for over the years, you've definitely looked at a lot of the products that I've created, you know, and I, I've been watching what you've been doing, you know, what I've been doing, we've been going back and forth and, you know, hopefully yeah. when the industry maybe turns back around and we can have time again to be able to go to a lot of these shows that some of them have been closing, which has been a sad state of affairs, but mm. once they're back and we can have time to be able to get together, hang out, because that was my favorite thing to do, you know, with you and all the rest yeah. of the creators out there and the people in the industry, photo, video, tech, whatever. It was always nice. And seeing that they're, you know, they've been shutting down all over the place. I remember Photokina when they finally went belly up and a lot of other ones mm -hmm. were still still looking at Photo Plus Expo and WPPI in Las Vegas doing those. And, you know, at one time we were doing a podcast, if you remember, with Trevor Curry yeah. for like eight years, Digital yeah. Photography Cafe. And we were going live yeah. from WPPI yeah. and from Photo Plus Expo and all this stuff. And now look, it's like, <laughs> they, they don't even have them or, you know, or when they do have them, like there's no one there. So I just hope I, things fact, get back. I mean, you want to talk about change. When you guys were going live all the time, it was practically unheard of. And now yeah. everyone and their mother is going live. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's amazing yeah. how just the world has changed um, over, I know, the, over the years. I know, it's, I know. It's, it's it, so is, cool, it is, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, like um, I said, thank you so much for having me. I mean, this was, this was great. I really do appreciate you, appreciate what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I wish you the best going forward for sure. Awesome. Thanks. Um, you can find the show notes where to find Joseph at imagely.com slash podcast slash one third. Yeah. I'm going to do that again. You can find the show notes and where to find Joseph at imagely.com slash podcast slash 132. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Until next time. You've been listening to the WordPress Photography Podcast. To listen to other episodes and to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more, please visit imagely.com forward slash podcast.